It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this 23rd day of March, 2017. We're here today with our co-host, Jay Basser, and today our guest speaker is uh, James Cripps, and uh, uh, he was the first Agent Orange veteran awarded based on his exposure inside the continental United States, and... uh, He's got an organization called United States Veterans Alliance, and they've been working with other veterans, uh, uh, you know, trying to help them uh, process their claims and keep everything on the straight and narrow for them. And, uh, you know, we need more organizations out there uh, veteran groups put together to to help these guys um, and gals. Uh, James, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, Gerald. Doing real good. Both feet still above ground. Well, uh, that's something. I'm still free in America, so yeah, real good. Yeah, I'm worried about that last one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't think in my lifetime it'll go away. Not uh, not with the brave young men and women, you know, that are in the military now. Yeah, uh, I think we're all right in our lifetime, but I sure feel for kids. <laughs> I kind of think our freedom is, is riding on our our reputation uh, until we can get it together again. I think you're right. Well, I know you're right, yeah. Uh, It's not a good situation. Let's hope it gets turned around. But anyway, uh, you have this group. You you work with other veterans, and that's that's really good uh, that you can step out there and help other veterans, you know, with their claims process. And uh, uh, how many is in your group, uh, James? We maintain just a little over 100. Oh, um, that's good. That's good. And and those are active members. Yeah. Because when our, mem- when our membership comes due every year, uh, we go through our records and we drop people who are who are not dues-paying members. We just don't keep carrying them on the rolls. Yeah. Uh, if they drop out, they come off the books. But like I say, we maintain about 100 active members. Uh, we well, started out with no service connections whatsoever, and yeah. now we have 20. We have 25 members that are 100% permanent and total or better. Um, some of S awards, um, some as high as uh, L and M awards. Um, oh, that's, that's a good percentage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we've got our own methods. You know, we uh, 
we experimented and, 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 and we tried different things and, and we read the regulations and, and we know the United States Code, we know the Code of Federal Regulations and we know M-121 uh, and we've kind of put things together in an orderly fashion where when a veteran submits his claim, um, he has already been advised of what he needed to win that claim and then before any anything is done, we get a chance to take a look at it, take it apart, put it back together, make sure that every element is there for that claim to be granted. All doctor's letters, uh, all exams, uh, scientific opinions, uh, lay statements, medical records, service records, we just go through the claim and uh, and make sure it's there before it's ever submitted, and then we try to do it on a fully developed claim basis. Uh, if we can't do it on a fully developed claim, then we advise the veteran to go down and file an intent to file and mark his uh, earliest effective date, and then yeah. we'll we'll help, help him along uh, six months, nine months, a year, whatever it takes him to get that claim together. But we've been highly successful. We're proud of it. Well, that's a good deal. I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, that is a real good deal. Because so many veterans out here do need help. And it's good news, you know, when there's a group willing to, to help them. Uh, you certainly don't have to go looking for clients. Uh, they come to us. We've got a pretty good reputation. Um Nobody ever pays a dime. In fact, we pay out of our pockets, and and glad to do that. That's yeah. been my my definition of of paying it forward. It is, and you know, when you were doing your claim, you had a little bit of help and a lot of luck, and uh, it helps to to reach back behind you and help pull someone else up the ladder. Uh, it's it's almost too much for one individual unless you're, you've got a law degree, and even then I think a lot of lawyers have trouble with it. Yeah, you got to be able to, to interpret the law. you got to be able to read medical records. Uh, you've got to be aware, aware of... of Everything that could have happened to guy in the service, uh, no matter no matter what his experience, where he was, or or who he served with, yeah, uh, you got to use your imagination uh, to even get the veteran to understand what he might have coming. They have no idea. Most veterans think, you know, if you're not combat wounded, uh, if you're not missing an arm and a leg, you don't qualify. That's um, true. And too, there's the old old adage: if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, so some veterans drag their feet till they see that check uh, deposit. Uh, that, that'll make a believer out of you. Well, doggone it! A, a lot of times, the way these ailments manifest themselves. Uh, 
they hit you a little long, and then one one thing gets added to another, and before you know it, you you're just all stoved up, and you can't do nothing. You say, what? "Well, you know, Gerald, that's called insidious inception." Um. When something was called, say, back in 1970, and it takes it 40 years to ever develop into something uh, that would make you go to a doctor or, or know that something was really wrong with you, that's insidious inception. And uh, that's covered under under the 38 CFR 303B Yeah. Uh, at, at any time after service. Uh, you know, if something's on your service record, just to be service-connected no matter how remote. And, boy, that puts it out there to the nth degree when you say no matter how remote. 303B. 303B. Uh, I use that a lot. If it's well, on I a service record. That and then because uh, that that happens. I mean, tell you, it happens a lot. Uh, I know a lot of veterans that said, "My God, I did good till I was over fifty, and then kablam, you know." And they don't well, know VA what happened. has a VA has a habit of putting veterans down and denying their claims based upon it didn't show up within a year of service or in service. That's true, that's true. Well, all you got to do is pull out the 303B and throw it back in their face. Uh it didn't have it didn't have to to manifest within service or within that one year period. 303B allows for any time after service, no matter how remote. If it's well, on that service well, record, it uh, should be that way too. Yeah. Shouldn't be, shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't have to tell them how to do their well, job. We shouldn't have to recite the laws to them. No, we shouldn't. But uh, it's good it's there. And uh, it's a horrible thing because, you know, you can feel healthy and then all of a sudden it just everything goes wrong at the same time. Well, you know, we're getting old, and it's real easy to pass it off as, as I'm just getting old. Well, I've been uh, told that plenty of times. Yeah, sure, I'm getting old. But some of the diseases that I have, uh, for instance, the chloracne, yeah. there's no other way uh, to to uh, get the disease of chloracne other than toxin exposure. It doesn't occur in nature. Uh, yeah. It's the most toxic uh Poison on the man, and there's just no other way to get it other than agent under exposure. Uh, so then comes the diabetes and the heart disease and the kidney failure and, and uh, everything so on and so forth. Yeah, it just it it's like he was in a wreck and and there was a little bump, but you get out and look at your car and it's total. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
Never heard it put quite that way. <laughs> but I guess I guess if you look at it from that point, Gerald, we were over X when we got off the surface. <laughs> we just didn't know it yet. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> I'm gonna go find me an adjuster. <laughs> Get evaluated. I need a good body. <laughs> yeah, I go to the body shop. I think I've been going to one quite a while now. Boy, I mean, I've done pretty good. I mean, I had some issues along, but I learned to work through them, you know. But sure. Or when it is, it is. And yeah, and you just you just mentioned something there that is it's really really hard for a veteran to do is when you have issues and you are turned down, you got to work through them. No yeah. matter how aggravated you get, you still got you can't lose focus. You got to work through them because the only way you're going to lose is you quit. And the only way you quit is you get mad. You got to yeah. learn to work through the issues. You hit it on the head right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah you got to learn patience. It's not easy either, but it's something you got to do. Yeah, you got to. We, as people, as Americans, are used used to thinking of time waiting on government services. We're we're thinking of days, weeks or maybe a month, a veteran has to to look ahead years and decades. Yeah. you got to learn yeah, patience. you right. got, got to know that it's not going to come maybe maybe not this year, maybe not next year, maybe not in five. Uh, and that, that, that's got to be corrected. <laughs> that's something that does need to be corrected because uh, – there is no acceptable excuse for that. I say after a certain length of time that they run you up and down the ladder uh, once or twice, the third time it should be automatic award. Uh, this, this bull will run you up and down. you got to go to the appeals court, and then they remand it back, and then it gets sent back, and then remanded back. That should be it. I mean, twice is enough. Uh, if it's not the veteran's mistake, then, yeah, he, he, they should that, treat it something exactly like IRS. Right. Yeah, and if it's not the veteran's mistake, pay the man and then settle up with him later when, when the case is done. Somebody's going to owe somebody some money. Well, no. I mean, it's the VA's fault. Uh, uh, if it gets uh, determined later down the road that the veteran wasn't deserving, uh, after they made all these mistakes, uh, every every remand that I've had has not been due to my uh Mistakes. It's been due to the VA's mistakes. And if uh, you ever do make a mistake, they don't mind pointing it out. You bet they don't, and uh, oh. they'll give it to you in triplicates too. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, no, put a, I've always said when they turn you down, 
when they turn you down, they just don't deny you. It's it's like a cigarette. They push you down to the ashtray and they grind you until the flame goes out. They yeah. intend for that flame to go out. Yeah, uh, when yeah. the smoke clears, there's just nothing left. You know that there are a lot of vets walking around with no benefits that could have some benefits. Were that not the case? That's true. A lot of them, I've, I've seen a lot of them just throw their hands up and say, I ain't fooling with this. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, that's not a good thing. And and that's what the BA's counting on. But it shouldn't be that way. We're supposed to have a non-adversarial VA to deal with, and they're supposedly they're supposed to assist you, but you don't get much assistance. Uh, no, you don't. And if it and and then if if there is any assistance offered, it's buried in twenty pages of paperwork and a prior decision. And when you when you do get past all of the the uh, paperwork that's ahead of it, uh, you ain't even in, interested in reading the rest of the decision. Yeah, it uh, it's something. But I think two times up and down that damn ladder's enough. And uh, uh, if it's their fault. Like you said, and it's always every man I've gotten anyway. It's been due to the fact that the regional office didn't do their job. Right. Well, you know, I've, why, I've why should we be penalized for that? Working with these claims, I've been doing it since 2005. Yeah. And the group that I'm working at, working with now, uh, we formed the organization in 2009. And we're in our fifth year of working claims as a group now. Uh, and I've come to realize, you know, we advance. We we, we go up the ladder. Our, our technology, well, our understanding of the technology gets a little bit better and we become a little more efficient with our research. Uh-huh. We get a little bit better at reading and understanding the laws and the medical opinions and, and the expert opinions and and what it what it takes and everything you got to have. But then I've realized too that every once in a while you got to go back to the basics. You got to go to the back to the first step. You got to go all the way back to it takes three things to win the claim. Yeah. Um, and bring everybody up to speed because everybody wasn't on board when we all got on board. Uh, and then we're advancing a little bit. Uh, we're getting into the, into the higher special monthly compensations. Uh, we've gotten a lot of scooters in the chapter lately. Uh, we experiment. We find the best way to do that, and then everybody gets a scooter. Uh, we're working on our sixth automobile grant. Uh, it's a done deal. All he's got to do is pick his car out. Uh, we've got four going through 
voc rehab into the ILP program, and we got four going at one time, and they all four have different counselors. So we're trying to find out if what you're able to get through ILP is dependent upon and specific to your counselor or to your region, to your regional office. Uh, why do some get and why do some not get? But all four of us compare notes and compare counselors, uh, what was said, and, and we're, we're learning a lot. But when we get through with this IOP program, we're we're all going to know a whole lot more and be a lot more educated than than we would be if we were doing it on our own, just one guy. Uh, uh. You know, they can tell one guy anything, but when you got four counselors, if one gets and the other three don't get, we can see what the deal is. You know, what's this counselor doing? Uh, that the other three are not. Are they actually doing their job, or is this other counselor going above and beyond the call of duty? Well, that's a good uh, idea, James, because I I remember, well, a long time ago, whenever I was calling BA trying to get information all the time until I learned better, uh I'd get a hold of one guy. Well, that's not my interpretation of this. I'd read them out of the 38 CFR. That's not my. That's not how I interpret it. And I said, how can you interpret it any other way? It's pretty simple, you know, different things. And uh, it appears that each different regional office uh interpret things differently, and not only that, within the same regional office, one individual interprets something one way and another in another way. So nothing constant. My interpretation is just as good as yours. Yeah. Unless you can prove that yours is superior, uh, then you've got to allow for my interpretation. Yeah, well, that's true. And uh, yeah, and you take you take two interpretations of the same rule, and you play devil's advocate with them. You're gonna get it figured out. You're you gonna will. find out which one's wrong and which one's right. And it could be as simple as a word "or" instead of "and." That's a big deal. Well, the worst word I've run into and I'm sure others have too when you're dealing with the BA is may. Anytime you see the word may that gives them the option. <laughs> and uh, that's not that's not a good word to run across to Yeah, it wouldn't it would make anything ambiguous. Well, oh. And that's why they put it in there. And I'd say, why would they use this language? What attorney would allow them to accept this language? It's it's all down, you know. It's against the veteran. First of all, when you see that word, you're in trouble because you got to get around it, and that's not easy. Well, you know we. 
we hit a milestone when we got 25 of our members 100% permanent total. And then in in doing that, we have another group that are 70% to 90%. And we just can't get them over the hump. Uh, so now we're we're working, we're sending them through voc rehab. Uh, and I'm telling them, you know, it's your job when you go to voc rehab to convince those people that you can no longer work. That's your job. You go to Volk Rehab, you sign up, and you convince them that you can't be rehabilitated, you don't have the education, and you're just too disabled to go back to work. They'll give you a letter saying that under no sort of circumstances can you ever go back to work again. You can use that letter in your claim to prove your unemployability, you know, how much better proof can you get? They'll send you, after your first visit, they'll send your doctor paperwork to fill out what what can this veteran still do. Can he walk? Can he run? If so, how far can he walk? How far can he run? How much can he lift? Can he stoop? Uh, can he pivot? Uh, plumb on down uh, to fingering. And uh, on the list, I told my wife, that's the only thing on the whole list I can still do. If somebody pulls out in front of me, they're going to get the finger. Uh, <laughs> I can still finger. <laughs> but that's about all I can do on the list nowadays. <laughs> but once your doctor fills that out and signs that document, then your doctor is agreeing with a voc rehab counselor that you cannot go back to work. That. That, that'll that get you your unemployability, and then they move you over into the ILP program to see what they can do to make your life more productive, more uh, uh, interesting, more livable. Uh, I don't know. I've got a whole, thing, a whole list of things that I've asked for. Uh, I hid my military truck that day and asked for another one. That didn't go over too good. <laughs> <laughs> But maybe, maybe the therapeutic mattress and the, and the massage and vibrating recliner and and a computer and a computer desk and a, a therapeutic computer chair and extra sheets and pillowcases and those, those things look like they're going to go through. Well, that's great, and that's something that could you know that could help you. Sure, sure it can. That. Uh, it's available. You know, 2,700 veterans per year can go through the ILP program. You've got to be within 12 years of your ETS date or within 12 years of the first decision from VA that told you you had a disability. Uh so most of us are within range, and then once you get into the ILP program, you've got two years to make your request. In other words, you can you can ask for a recliner and a couch this year, and then and then next year you can ask for a, a bed and a therapeutic mattress and a you know yeah. anything that your doctor says might make your life just a little bit easier. 
and that make you less the, reliable? Uh, uh, amount of uh, disability count? Does it have to be a certain percentage, like 60 rule or 70? Rule of the thumb is 20%. Oh, really? Yeah. You you don't have to be totally disabled. Well, see, I'm oh. 20%, and I'm 15 years out from when they uh, first, my first uh, service connection. That's um, that, that, that that's a sticky situation because if you go to IOP and you've got an M rating like I do, yeah. I mean, if you go to Voc Rehab and you and you've got an M rating like I carry, and and I've got three hundred percent permanent total disabilities, you know they're going to find you unemployable and not able to rehabilitate. To go back to work. Well, now, if I've you got... walk in there with a twenty percent disability, you better be pretty convincing, or they're going to put you back to work. They're going to they're going to rehabilitate you and find you able to work. <laughs> so that's that, that's just you know. No, I, I don't think it will, man. <laughs> you, I warn against that. You know, if you're if you think you are disabled enough that you can never work again. And you've got this seventy percent rating now. Yeah, go ahead and go through IOP, and you, it's your job to convince these people that you can't work anymore. You tell them why you can't work anymore due to your service connection. But be aware, they can always find you employable and want to rehabilitate you. Uh, we haven't had that to happen yet, uh, but it could happen. Well, I've got my primary care teams already wrote in their progress notes. I was totally unable to work. Oh. So that's a count for something. Yeah, most most guys that are 70% or better have already, in our organization, they're pretty well informed. They've already asked for their unemployability and probably been turned down. Or they have other claims in that would bring them up to the 100% scheduler rating. Yeah. And when we get these letters back from VR and E, then we give, on a 4138, we give the VA an ultimatum. Either give this man his his unemployability or give him his 100% scheduler. And generally, they'll turn around and award the 100% scheduler rather than use the unemployability. Because they know if they assign it due to unemployability, they're going to pick one issue that's not 100% that are going to bump that veteran up to 100%. In that case, he can use his other issues to go for an S award, the plus 60 yeah. or housebound. Um, yep. You just got to find out what works and what don't work. I call it the redneck way. Uh, we're not real smart people. We just don't quit. There you go. But uh, yeah, you need to go ahead and apply for that. Huh? I think Bob did. Unemployability. 
I'm but talking they about never comment on both. it. I'm talking about the independent living program. You might get you a greenhouse. Yeah, there you go. You can get yeah. that toilet paper. Yeah, they get, you can get that toilet paper roller to mount on your dash. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I want yeah. uh, I want uh, one of them greenhouses like Ashnod's getting. That sounds yeah. like too much work to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he earned it. I don't think he's got it yet, but uh, uh, they put a cap full I, I think he's gonna. <laughs> I think he's gonna get it because he don't quit either. He don't quit either. No, he's got right. him. He's already got done. Say, give it to him. <laughs> you know, I, I I get on HadIt.com and I get on Ashnod's site. Oh, there's a lot of good reading there. A lot of a lot of good information. Oh, you can get on HadIt.com and you can get into some of those forums and. There's a lot of information there. You know, we 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 become smarter on the issues that we're used to working in. But then when you get on something like Haddock.com and your horizon becomes bigger because you're dealing with issues that all of the guys and gals on there are, are, are dealing with, uh, you can get a little smarter. You can pick up some tips and some ideas and... and you know, sometimes they don't seem so important at the time when you read them, but two or three months later when you come across a case and you remember reading that on com that so-and-so had that happen and he did this, uh, it makes it worth the read. You know it does, yeah. I, you know, I, I can't, I can't tell Teresa how much I admire her. For starting that site uh, where veterans can share information and learn and, and and that being able to learn like that allows us to live a little longer. You bet it does. Uh, you know, it cuts down a lot on your worry and grief. If, uh, you go on there and you just type in uh, the subject that you're interested in and go to it and uh, you learn real quick a lot of little things that you could have done or can do to to help yourself along in the claim system and that's what that it's all about and my god uh, I think uh, Trace is one of the golden girls She she is really Done a good job with that. Well, that that came from an idea somewhere. I don't know where she came up with it, but uh, it's grown uh, into something that we can all use, and not only us, but in generations to come. Oh yeah, yes. A lot of that don't get outdated. I mean, uh, you know, how often do they change the? Uh, 38 CFRs. I mean, uh, when they do make a change, then we're all, uh, you know, aware of it. It has to be made public. So yeah, usually it's, it's a minor change. Yeah, and and you're right. It's a minor change. 
they think they pretty yeah. well got us nailed down with it, but there's still hope here and there. And, well, uh, if they see a little yeah. crack, we might flip through. They try to nail a board over it every once in a while, but yeah, we can find another crack, yeah. you know. Yeah, it keeps back us on Back in 2007, T-Bird had a claim file with the VA, Teresa, and uh, she kept getting all these crazy denials and stuff, and she was trying to find some help for a claim. And uh, so she got the idea of starting up this website and she, because she'd had had it with the VA the way they, the way they did her. So she actually started had it back in January 2000, uh, or sorry, 1997. And it's grown to what it is now, you know. Uh, I think I came aboard about uh, 2000, maybe 99. I was one of the first, been one of the first, one of the first couple of years. And I've seen it grow from then to where it is now. So I don't think I could have won my claim without had it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was plowing new territory there, but by reading. The forums that gave me the general idea of what you had to have and do to win a claim, and actually it it reformed my way of thinking and my personality. It gave me a direction to go. Uh, I quit running around in circles, and that's what a, veteran, a lot of veterans do. They just run around in circles. They don't have a direction. If you can ever get that direction and com- and concentrate on it, you can win your claim, and and you can get that from had it. Just you don't have to say a word. Just read the post. Right, so that hamster. You get on the hamster wheel, buddy, you're in trouble. Because if you want to be able to keep going on that circle, they'll run you as hard as they can. You need to keep it benefit. Well, I had it's a good place to pick up information, and Alex, he's doing a real good job with his website. Does your group have a website, James? We do. Uh, it's USVA, that stands for United States Veterans Alliance, oh, one oh one dot org. Okay. USVA one oh one dot org. Um there's a lot of information on there. The the uh the amount of hits we get on our Nexus letter uh, formulation just blows my mind. Uh a lot of people use that. A lot of service officers use it. They print that off. It's an example of a next letter, and it's an also an explanation to your doctor as to why you need that nexus letter and how it needs to be worded. It's two pages. You just go to usva101.org, and then you click on the nexus letter, and it will give you an option to print it. Just print it off. Take it to your doctor. And those doctors don't throw it away. They keep it for the next guy. Uh, but it, it it's really a handy tool. We've had great success with it. Uh, doctors love to see it because it saves them time. They get the letter right the first time. And, you know, that, that brings me around to, to something that's kind of interesting. 
they're beginning to look at our our kids now. The the kids of uh, Agent Orange exposed veterans, the male species. Uh, I think before Mr. Obama left office, he signed a um, a new bill for him to study that. My daughter, when she was in college, came real close to dying. I was looking for a burial plot for her. Um, she had a rare blood disorder, and that, the doctor told her you had a whole lot better chance of winning the lottery. Um, and we turned in a claim on that to mark her earliest effective date. And just today, she got her third letter from an oncologist agreeing that at, at least as likely or not, or they're saying highly likely, that her blood disorder was caused by my Agent Orange exposure. Now, they're going to deny that, but if they ever do award it, she's going to go back to her earliest effective date, which is, I think, January of last year when she filed the intent to file. And now she's filed the claim, and she has three Nexus letters to back her up. Uh, I probably will never live to see the result of it, but she may someday. Yeah, it'll, it'll take a, a long time. Now, only, now didn't they uh, come to recognize another ailment besides uh, spinal bifida on, on Agent Orange? Not in a male veteran. In fact, they're trying to do, to to uh, find a basis to deny the spinal bifida. Yeah. Uh, well, they already do. You know, they already denied the spinal bifida one. A claim like my daughter has is far out. But now, five years ago, how far out was Camp Lejeune? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Had somebody had the forethought to go ahead and file an intent, uh, which it wasn't possible five years ago, uh, but they could have went ahead and filed a claim. Well, I don't know. Uh, the independent, they couldn't file a claim. But if they ever do decide that the disease of TTP, it's a blood disorder, was caused by my exposure and passed down through my genes to my daughter, then maybe she'll have health care for that the rest of her life. There is no cure for it. The best they can do is put it in remission. Um, she's been in remission six, seven years now. So um, she'll, she'll have to be treated uh, for the rest of her life then, won't she? Yeah, and that's what the doctor's uh, nexus letters are saying. There is oh, no cure, yeah. and it'll affect yeah. her for the rest of her life. Good. Uh, this will be passed down to her children. Yeah. Dad uh, children. When 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 she came down with this disease, uh, I knew she was sick. She was in the hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, and I went down there. She was laying in her street clothes on top of the unmade bed, I mean the made bed, 
she had been there three days, and she was unconscious. Oh, my. Uh, I went out and, and, and found a nurse, and the nurse said, nobody's in that room. I said, well, there are two. My daughter's in there. So she went in there, and she said, oh, I know what's wrong with her. She needs some fenugreek for her chemo. I said, my daughter's not on chemo. Uh, I went and found me a wheelchair, and I picked her up unconscious and put her in that wheelchair, and I headed to Nashville, Tennessee with her, and I didn't stop until I pulled up in front of St. Thomas Hospital. The uh, blood doctor just happened to be there on duty that day, and he told me, had you not done what you did, your daughter wouldn't have made it. Uh, it was touch and go. They gave her 700 pints of blood. Oh, my God. They, they were getting blood from other states of her type. Uh, they were stacking it on food trays and rolling it in there, and that went on for weeks. What did that do? Oh. Just hit her all at once, James? It did. She she told me, Dad, it got too much trouble to pick up a telephone. She said, I did not have the energy to pick up a oh. telephone. So she went to the doctor, and that was on a Friday, and the doctor put her in the hospital. They put her in a room, but nobody even checked on her. Oh, she just... Like I say, she was there laying on top of the made bed, still under street clothes when I got there. And that was three days later. Oh, man. But it, uh, the biggest thing, uh, they said she had a rash on her. This was at St. Francis Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. They said she had a rash on her feet. Well, when I carried her to Nashville and the blood doctor saw it, he said, that's not a rash. That's petechia. Her red blood cells are trying to eat her whites. Her blood cells are vice versa. Um, mm-hmm. And they started doing like a transfusion. They call it a plasmapheresis. Um, one after the other after the other. I mean, it just... Uh, and I approached the doctor one day. I said, you know, you're using all this blood and doing all this treatment, and, and my daughter's not getting any better. And he said, well, Mr. Cripps, I hate to tell you this, but that is the only treatment. But uh, they got her They got her where they could release her from the hospital. She was home two days, and she relapsed and went back, and they did it all again. Uh, like I say, I was, I was trying to figure out where I was going to bury my daughter. Oh, my but there's there's no doubt in my mind uh, what yeah, caused it. And then then my son, like yeah, my son got married and and he was scared to death to even try to have children. Uh, but they did finally have a child and and he's just fine so far. But. My daughter was just fine so far until her junior year in college. Good. And then, like, it's at the beginning of the program, I mentioned insidious inception. Yeah. It took it that long. You know, my wife and I tried to have a child while I was in the service because we wanted Uncle Sam to have to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And we couldn't do it. 
they sent us to a doctor. It was 10 years. We were married 10 years before we finally had a child. <clears throat> and that that's the high, that's the half-life of Agent Orange in a human body. Eight and a half years is, is what the half-life of Agent Orange in a human body is. So there's no doubt in my mind why we couldn't have a child. Yeah, for sure. You know, they, they sent me to the doctor that did a certain sperm count, and they said what sperm I had was damaged. You know, I'm a young man, a, a, a 19 years old. What else could it be? Well, it's got to be a... I didn't know, know about my exposure back then, nor did they. Yeah, this stuff crops up on you years later. It gets in your DNA, and once it's there, I think it's there. Yeah, it, it, it erases something in your DNA, and it's never it never goes down through your genes uh, again. Yeah, you're right. You you somewhere and somewhere down the chain of offsprings, it's gonna it's gonna manifest itself some more. Yeah. Uh, no telling what it's going to, uh, you know, it could be anything. Uh, like your daughter, her blood uh, contamination, uh, it could be liver trouble, heart trouble. Uh, I got nephews uh, that were born with holes in their hearts. Yeah. Uh, because of Agent Orange. And... Uh, Granddaughters that their dad, you know, uh, was over in Vietnam. All them had to have hysterectomies. So, and you know, one way or the other, it's tied into it somehow. Well, you know, when I was at Fort Gordon as a game warden, I sprayed every morning. It was my routine. There was a chain of 13 lakes. It, uh, weed control was what came under under my responsibility. Um, I didn't like to spray when fishermen and guests were present. So I would start, I'd be waiting at daylight, and I would spray 30, 45 minutes, and then the next morning I'd pick up where I left off. It was continuing. Um and that was the fishing trails and trails to the restroom, around the picnic tables, people places where people go. Uh, ticks were beginning to get pretty bad back then. And, and But anyway, we were on separate rations. We didn't have a lot of money. I had pawned my tools uh, every month. Uh, and after my tools went, I had pawned my extra set of boots I never lost them, never lost my boots either. always got them back. But that's how close we were living, and we were on separate rations. We didn't have a lot. Um, so after after I closed the lakes in the evenings, I'd go home and get my wife and sometimes my next-door neighbor, and we would go back out, and we would fish at night. Now, those lakes were closed during after hours, but that was my substance. You know, I was in survival mode. And we ate fish two or three nights a week. 
Oh, well, dioxin is known to be water-fearing and fat-loving. So when dioxin hits the water, it seeks the fish because it's water-fearing and fat-loving. So when it when it finds the fish, the fish absorbs it, and it goes into their fat system. It's attracted by fat. Well, along comes the bigger fish and eats the little fish. Now he's got his own dioxin plus that of the little fish. When they got up to about four pounds or five pounds, that's the size that we kept. Oh. Uh, and they, there were 13 lakes, and as they got bigger, they were transferred down to lower lakes. So each lake had successive bigger fish in it. Uh, three, to, three to four pounds were the best eaten fish, so that's where we fished. Can you imagine, in the year and a half that I did that, the amount of dioxin we absorbed by eating those fish? Yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah. out of it. And then... You wonder what happened to my daughter? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. But it, it's absorbed up the food chain by the human, and it's attracted by the fat in your spine, and for the rest of your life, it fizzes to the top. And that's what causes the chloracne. The chloracne is not blackheads and sores from on top of the skin. They come from within. And they're so deep, when they appear, you can't get them out. Uh, But anyway, that's a little off off track there, but it's a good explanation of, of, you know, what what dioxin actually does to our bodies. Oh, it it just tears my... And people, you know, James, what the horrible thing, people, especially veterans, when they first started coming back from Vietnam and getting sick and dying and everything else, they were passing this on down through their gene pools. And, uh, you know, most of them died without even knowing they just knew something was wrong. Boom, they're dead, and and uh, you know, depending on how bad they got hit with it, but some of them I understand really got soaked down with Agent Orange. But it uh, it's a horrible thing. Well, I used to spray. I would tell. I wore a T-shirt under my shirt. And I would take my shirt off and spray in my T-shirt because I didn't want it all over my uniform shirt. I had the whole rest of the... I worked 12-hour shifts. So after I got finished spraying, I had better than 11 hours uh, before I could go and get another shirt. So when I would get finished with the spraying, if if the wind was blowing in my direction where it blew back on me, at the end of the spray, and I would take the T-shirt off, put it in the Bronco, and retrieve my shirt and put my shirt on. Uh, that way, I would look presentable and, and wouldn't smell like diesel fuel the rest of the day. Mm. Uh, and really, once it was, 
once it was mixed, actually it smelled, it smelled like burnt plastic. Uh, that's the only thing I can compare it to, burnt plastic. Uh, but I didn't want to smell like that the rest of the day, and that's the reason I, I changed shirts. Oh, that's bad. It was bad, but uh, I never thought a thing about it. I never thought it was anything that would would harm me. Uh, if you've ever picked, if you've ever cut tobacco, tobacco leaves a sticky film on your arms. All your hair mats up on your arms and sticks together. Uh, well, Agent Orange will do the same thing to you. But when I would take a T-shirt off, I'd, whatever lake that I was at, I would ease over to the edge of the lake and wash my arms off in the lake. And uh, Orange, Agent Orange is not water-soluble. Uh, Agent White and Agent Blue is water-soluble, but Orange is, is soluble in petroleum products. But it would... Uh, it would get enough off my arms that they wouldn't be sticky. The hair wouldn't be matted up on my arms. Yeah. Uh, but that's the dosage I got. And so I you think just rubbed it in? <laughs> I just rubbed it in, yeah, like you would a lotion. Because, <laughs> because it wasn't soluble in the water. Uh, wonder you don't glow orange at night. <laughs> it's a good thing it ain't for ransom. You know, I've heard in Vietnam, I didn't go to Vietnam, but I heard in Vietnam that when the spray planes would, would, would get within here and everybody would take their shirts off and wait for it to fall on, they thought it'd kill the mosquitoes. No. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I was actually rubbing it in. Um, yeah. But I don't it didn't. Know. Uh, it didn't and seem harmful, you know. <laughs> Gasoline, no need to tell you. Said it matched it. Uh, I wonder, James, what they're using now. I mean, what kind of idiot stuff are they contaminating the troops with now? They're using 2,4-D. They're not using the 2,4-5-T. The the chemical makeup of of Agent Orange is 2,4-D plus 2,4-5-T. Yeah. You can't get the 2,4-5-T anymore. But just about all herbicides now... Even what you buy at Lowe's is 2,4-D. Yeah. Uh, I was reading an article on that Roundup that they sell. And I hear, uh, 2,4-D, yeah. It's bad, yeah. It, it, it's bad news, too. But I guess it's yeah, not it's as 2-4-D. bad as Agent Orange. I I've got a letter. I've got a letter that was written by a German chemical company to Dow Chemicals, and it's dated 1952. And it's saying, our workers are coming down with chloracne. And we've discovered if you'll cook the mixture, 
the Agent Orange. A little bit longer, it gave them the, the specific amount of time and the degrees to cook it. Then it cooks off the dioxin, and it, and it becomes less harmful. Well, the United States government decided not to do that because they wanted to keep the price at $10 a gallon. But I have a copy of the original letter written from the German chemical company to the alchemical warning them in 1952 that their their workers were getting chloracne. Do you think McNamara Mayor gave them the go-ahead on it, just keep producing it? Well, you know, McNamara, when you go back and, and dig him up and look at him, I had a cousin... My cousin was three bricks shy of a load. You would never dream they would send somebody like that to fight a war. But they drafted him, and they sent him to Vietnam. And any sane person could just look at him and tell, this guy's not all there. Something's wrong with him. And if you heard him talk... Uh, and saw the way he acted, but then come to find out many, many, many years later, McNamara was responsible for them inducting him into the Army because McNamara's idea was there's so many of these guys that are not qualifying for service, we need to run several thousand of them through and see how it, how it works. And he was one of those that no matter what his his medical testing showed, they inducted him. And he died of Agent Orange-related diseases. Man, sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he was a guinea pig. Yeah, sure was. Uh, he didn't have some sense to get out of the way of gunfire. He, he, he was more like a little kid. He would have thought it was funny. But now that's that's McNamara for you. Well, he's a dirty dog to mind, but killed a lot of a lot of uh, good good young troopers. Oh well, there's 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 other issues nowadays, and that, that's behind us. All we can do is, like you said, when the show first came on, all we can do is deal with it. Yeah, we got to deal with, with it. it. March on now. We got to get the BA to honor up to their their promises to take care of us. Yeah, we've got to help each other out, and that's exactly what we're doing right now, me and you. You um, bet. Uh, that's, that's the purpose of, of, of John's radio show. Uh, it's, I think it's got a lot, a lot to do with why we live now. Well, any any bit of information we can pass on that will help others, that's what we have to do, then. That's what we try to do on that show, and I think we do a pretty decent job. We're not experts or professionals, 
wouldn't want to be. Uh, uh, you know, when we say something, we try to say the truth as we know it. And then well, I think when any, when any one of us learns something that would help other people and we hoard it and we don't get it out there, that's, that's not that's, being too responsible right. to your fellow veteran. That's, yes, yes. Uh, if we know something, I feel like we should feel obligated to pass it on and help. Uh, I know I try to help anyone that calls me or at least point them in the right direction that someone can give them some good help. Uh, but uh, we got to keep sharing this information we get. Well, you got to share it, and then you got to teach it to other people. True, true. We on your own, you can only help so many. But if you spread it around, right. the, yeah. Uh, networking. <laughs> That's what it's called. Yeah, and that wasn't possible in our first 40 years of life. You know, there was no Internet. There was no, if it oh. wasn't printed in the paper, if it wasn't on TV, it wasn't going anywhere. This Internet has become the veteran's worst enemy. <laughs> if it well, wasn't for the Internet, where we can share information. Sure, sure. Oh. Uh, how do you, you know, know you're getting screwed around? Do you read it somewhere and say, hey? The Saturday what are they Evening doing Post. To me? <laughs> the Saturday Evening Post and Life, Life Magazine didn't print a whole lot about that. No, they didn't. Or Sears Catalog or anything. Yeah. Well, they kept a lot of this hushed up for so many years. And look what well, the poor Vietnam veterans had to go through to get noted for Agent Orange. That's ridiculous. You know what we used the Sears catalog for? We didn't read it anyway. Well, well yeah, who could read? Look at the pictures. <laughs> Watch your butt. Well, it, it was always laying in the outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of pages missing there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, we have an obligation to help one another, and uh, we should do it however we can, uh, best we can. Uh, and, you know, uh, between... Your group and all those that had it, and uh, Alex got a big group, and then there's several others, you know, that uh, we ought to pretty well have all the bases covered. Uh, But there's always room for more, uh, to learn more every time you learn a little trick, or not a trick, but like you say, finding that crack we can wiggle through uh, that we shouldn't have to be doing. You know, it shouldn't, uh, uh, the VA shouldn't be so tormenting toward veterans. 
They treat them like dirt in a lot of well, cases. You know, I'm about uh, 70 miles from Ray Cobb. Yeah. And Ray Cobb was the second winner in the continental United States. He won his case at Fort McClellan, Alabama. And we, uh, he has a group up there. Yeah. We started that, started that group five or six years ago. And now we're, we're kind of, uh, intermingling. Our members are kind of intermingling with, with Ray's group up there and comparing notes. Um, and we're doing things together, uh, Ray's group and our group, and we're learning a lot more. And by doing that, we're we're getting a little smarter and we're spreading the word a little further. There you go. Uh, it's a shame that all the regional offices don't handle the claims and you know, the same way. What works in one might not work in another. And that just don't seem right to me. Uh, uh, The 38 CFR should read the same in one regional office as it does the other. Uh, But when it comes to uh, awarding claims... For whatever reason, it don't seem to read the same. Well, the the, the employee, the VA employees, should be held to the same standard as far as the CFR is concerned as the veterans held. Well, absolutely. You know, they want to nail us to the cover of that book, and 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 then they they come up with their own interpretation. That's what I've run into. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they, uh, and it varies from employee to employee. It just becomes ain't I ever seen. Uh, there should be a way of combating that. I think uh, John Dorley has been doing a deal where every time he runs across one of them, he's going through some kind of procedure uh, 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 turn them in somehow. Well, I have to get him back on to talk about that. We've done a show or two with him, and he was telling about that. Whenever they find one of them dirty dogs, it's like that. That's impossible to deal with. Uh, he, he reports them somehow, and uh, we probably need get him back on to do another show on that because that's important. You got to be able to. You just want a square deal, you know. You don't need somebody in there that's biased against veterans and. And they're trying to adjudicate, and they're in a position to adjudicate your claim. We need a level playing field. That's all we're asking for. You know, we have 
We have four service officers in our county now. Uh, And just the other day, one of them told me, uh, every time I ask a question, somebody tells me, go ask James. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. (laughs) That's good. At least you you know what direction to point them to kind of help them out. Well, one of them, one of them is a retired state instructor. He worked for VA for forty years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with getting a second opinion either. <laughs> That's right. But there's nothing wrong getting the, with getting the second opinion. If you, in the end, come up with a decision based upon the law, not That's what right. somebody else yeah. thought. Yeah. Yeah, we've got to have the law. It's got to be your source. My source is a 38 CFR, blank, 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 you know. Uh, yeah, I've heard before. Let me call so-and-so. They're the guru. Yeah. Well, there ain't no guru. The the, the CFR and the U.S. Code, that's the guru. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you got to... You got to have them numbers. (laughs) You got to be able to point to it. Well... Here's what it says. You can't point a veteran in a direction based upon somebody else's idea of the way it's supposed to be. You you better uh, be right before you inform the veteran. Well, if you if you any inkling you might not be quite sure, you better let them know. <laughs> Say, hey, here's a good place to go find that information. I I can't tell you, you know, I'd, I know of it, and I, but. You need the proper source, and you need. Well, it's good. It's good to be knowledgeable enough on a subject. Stand up and look somebody in the eye, and tell them, "This is how it is. This is what you've got to have." With all the confidence in the world. But on every issue, we can't all be that smart. We're not all that smart. No, on some not. issues that we work with, we're comfortable enough to do that. But then there are those in the outlying areas that we never deal with. You get a case every once in a while, and you got to go back to the book. you got to go back and, and, and learn it. Uh, and it's okay to discuss it with somebody else. So long as you back it up with the Code of Federal, Federal Regulations or the, the U.S. Code, you just yeah. don't take somebody else's word for it. Say, here's what it says, and let them look it up. There you go. If if they doubt it then, they look it up for themselves. Yeah. But you got to know know what that. Rub their nose in it, just like I told you about the 303B, you know. Yeah. Uh, I didn't come out of the the thin air with that. Yeah, that's a good one to know. Uh and that pertains to nearly all your veterans. <laughs> sure. 
And one way or the other, service now, you know, uh, they're they're quite a bit more schooled than we were when we got out of the service. So they they know to jump to and get in the middle of things. But uh, we didn't. Well, they got a computer for their third birthday, you know. Yeah. I never had a computer till I filed a claim, and I, I couldn't even get a walkie-talkie. <laughs> <laughs> I said I gotta get a computer. Said I, I looked at a black screen more than I did anything. But well, you know, I got my first computer before they ever came out with the with the Windows when you had to type in the codes. I think yeah. I gave about three thousand dollars for that thing. I'm like you. That's all I could find was a black street. He typed in something and disappeared. I never could find it again. Hell, hell, I got, I got <laughs> stuff floating around out there. Some more still yet I can't find. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the computer, but the computer is what you got to have. So, but they're... They're more schooled in it. They're more up to date. I think uh, what is good for them. I mean, we're, we had to work our way through the black screen to get where we got. Yeah. That took a lot of time and lots a lot of important data and everything else. Well, I I know how to turn mine on, and there's there's things that I do, and I know how to do them on my computer. Anything outside of what I normally do, I don't guess my brain's big enough to pick up on it. Uh, I uh, if I don't need it, I don't use it. Well, I'm on mine a lot, but doing a lot of reading. Read, read, Your read, read. Just cause. Girl needs help. You just called me. I just called John. I said, oh, what happened here, John? <laughs> He'll say, well, go back to do this. <laughs> Click this button. <laughs> Look for a window. <laughs> but, you know, before, before I got a smartphone, I guess I had sent out butt calls before. But it didn't sound like a butt call that came from the cell phone. <laughs> people, <laughs> people started talking about these butt calls. Well, that ain't nothing new. I've been making them. <laughs> they just weren't broadcast. Oh, heck. Yeah, I don't even have a phone. Let <laughs> alone a smart one. <laughs> I'll yeah, I had a, landline. I had a father-in-law that was in the Navy. He was a Navy veteran. We was in Grover's one day, and, and he was on he, he was on the big guns on the naval ship, and he couldn't hear himself fart literally. And we were in Kroger's one day. We were in the checkout line, and he ripped <laughs> one out. And I said, Bill, and he said, I didn't know you could hear that. (laughs) (laughs) 
But anyway, that was our type of butt calls. Didn't the concussion off those big guns uh, do a lot of damage to to them sailors? I would have bought I know their, their ears, but it seemed like it'd come near to a concussion, wouldn't it? Well, my my uncle, uh, I'm named after him. He was James Melvin Cummins, and I'm James Melvin Cripps. And all he ever wanted to do was join the Navy. When he got uh, 17, he had his daddy sign for him, and he went aboard the USS Tennessee, uh, and he was killed. Uh, he He was on the main guns, and they took a direct hit. And everybody on one side of the guns died, which included him, and everybody on the other side lived because the guns protected them from the shrapnel. Uh, they buried they buried eight one night and, and uh, eight the next night. But they buried him at night because they didn't want the enemy to know how many they killed. Hmm. I know. I heard they was rough when them things went off. I can imagine what uh, what it did to you here. And you know, hearing hearing protection ain't always been that uh, big a deal. You can see that in, in the in the old films, uh, the actual black and white films, uh, the artillery and mortar guys. You know, they would turn their head and cover their ears with their hands. Yeah. Yeah. And then reload, and then do it again. Um, and we don't seem to learn. Nah. Well, I have better hearing protection now, but my land's just a concussion off that sucker going off. You'd think it would oh, sure. be. Uh, that'd be like a. Uh, TBI, wouldn't it? I would think so. Especially time after time after, you know, you oh, look at the yeah. amount of shelling that that went on. Uh, sometimes that shell will beat all night long. Yeah. They would, uh, yeah, that'd be rough. But you know we were we were in the in the business of, of uh, taking chances. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's something they really had to do. I mean, there wasn't no getting around it. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's uh, what we did. Yeah, we were expendable. Yeah. According but, to the uh, VA, we still are. Well, yeah, we're, yeah. we're still expendable. Well, you know, in our generations, it was a war of attrition. Whoever had the most men and equipment won the war. Well, that true. What wasn't so true in Vietnam, was it? Yeah, uh, I forget how many rounds they said it took to kill one one enemy. It was unreal. Firepower, that's where they went to, the firepower. The more lead you could throw out there, the better off you were. Yeah, well, look at Iwo Jima. 
all the lead they threw at that. At, at that. Yeah. And the enemy, the enemy was dug in. Uh, all they we did still, was make a lot of noise, thinking nobody had, could live through that. Yeah, they still had to go up and dig them out, burn yeah. them out. Dig them out, number one. Yeah. And we lost a lot of guys doing that. Yeah, that was deep. we did. I know some guys. I worked with them that was over there. World War Two veterans. One guy got blew out of a foxhole. They killed everybody but him. <laughs> Sent him to Salem. But he was friend, dead. You know, I had a friend in Korea. Oh, and that was his story. Everybody was killed in a foxhole but him. He's the only survivor. Yeah. And he couldn't even walk straight. I knew him all of my life. Uh, but it affected his inner ear. Yeah. Uh, he'd get dizzy yeah. and, and take off in a direction he didn't even mean to take off in. Uh, couldn't hear. Yeah. And when, when he filed a claim, they they uh, rejected it and told him he needed some buddy statements. He said, they all died. Uh-huh. I'm the only one that survived. Uh, yeah. But I think he finally won about 30% for his hearing. But he didn't live a couple, three years after that. Yeah, it already had done its damage. Wars ain't good. But anyway, give out your your uh, website again, James. That's yeah, US- that's USVA101.org. United States Veterans Alliance is what it stands for. And we use the four letters, USVA101.org. Check it out, especially the Nexus letter. Uh, we've got a group, good group of guys win a lot of claims uh, a lot of good camaraderie and uh, appreciate the opportunity to spread the word on this show John well I'll tell you what we're proud to have you come on James anybody that's willing to Extend a helping hand to other veterans. That's the kind of people we like to have come on. Uh, you done been there and done that. And you've learned a lot. You're willing to share some of your knowledge or any of it you can to help a veteran if it's possible. And that's what we all have to do. Cause if if you ain't been there and done that, you ain't qualified. <laughs> well, well, I think you're right, but uh, may not be qualified even if you've been there and done that. You <laughs> might be in some well, shape. <laughs> there, there's a lot to learn, and you've got to learn it on your own. Yes, you do. Because there you ain't got... nobody teaching it. Unfortunately, you're right. Uh, 
had it and a few other websites there will come as close to getting taught as anything I know. Yeah. Uh, use them as to use those those sites as tools. Yes, sir. That's your tools. That'd be the best tools. And read that thirty eight CFR and uh, what's that other one twenty one or M twenty one and uh, US code. Yeah, the US codes. Check out the Board of Veterans Appeals. Search prior decisions. Find a, a, a case similar to yours and see why the judges denied it or why they awarded it and kind of model your case after those. Learn from that, them. That's a good start, yeah. Sure. Yeah, it is. But anyway, John, I think we're about out of time here. And uh, sure glad we got James on tonight. We need to get this information out. I hope somebody has learned from this. And you know this Agent Orange thing is not over by any means. And I think it's going to show up more and more as we, as time goes on, especially in the the younger, the kids and grandkids and what have you. I don't know how far down it's going to go, but I believe you're going to see traces of it. So you certainly want to educate your children in it. Uh, what to look for and the different possibilities uh, and let's hope it ends quick <laughs> yeah even orange sounds like old news but, but it's, it's not not old to me it's not old at all and uh, I think it's you know it could affect uh, more children than we can account. And that's sad. But anyway, we're out of time, James. Appreciate you being on. And I hope I'll see you again soon. Okay. And, John, thank you for being here. And this will be Gerald Cook with the Had It Podcast. We'll be signing off for now. You've you been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Bastard Show.